Yeah, you're in town for the weekend. Okay. <laughs> oh, are you recording it, Keith? Okay. Thank you. Um, it was just a brilliant weekend, and I would really like to thank Sheila and Avril and all the members of the team because I, I know they gave up so much time to do that, and they looked after us all beautifully. And the presence of the Lord was so tangible that when I came in the very first evening, it, you could just—it was like walking into God's presence. It was really powerful. And through the whole time, I was really blessed by the Lord. He was putting his finger on things, which he'd already been speaking to me about in general ways, but suddenly he put things right on the right, this needs to be dealt with. And I felt as if God was, uh, it was a spring cleaning activity, you know? My, <laughs> the cupboard of my life was being cleaned out. Wonderful. But um, for me, it was quite a struggle to get to the encounter weekend because I've been very ill during the week and um, had time off school because of that. And... Uh, had to have antibiotics and the antibiotics had side effects so I was really feeling pretty rough and by the time it came to Friday I was saying to the Lord I don't, I don't know if I can do this physically but I made myself go the Friday evening and went home and said to Pete I have to go I have to go tomorrow I can't miss it I can't miss it so in the morning I got up and had brilliant time during the day but by the end of the afternoon I was actually feeling very unwell and by the time uh, it came to the soaking time in the evening and we were lying on the floor and I was thinking, I feel really unwell, really, really unwell and then suddenly the presence of the Lord came on me <laughs> in an amazing way really and, and um, just waves of laughter and I just... I laughed my way through the hour of soaking. It was great. And I, you know, God has such an amazing sense of humour. And um, I was doing, he's so funny. I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, and he was showing me all sorts of very funny pictures of, of different aspects of spiritual life. And uh, it was so incredible. I've just one thing I'll share with you was um, the first picture I saw which really made me laugh was a picture of a <laughs> oh dear it's really funny um, uh, I, I was um, I was sort of sitting on a throne, it was a big golden throne and I was, I was sitting actually on God's lap like a little child so I was sitting there on his, he was sort of behind me I couldn't see his face but I, I felt very safe and it was great and I was sitting there on the throne and I looked down and there was an ant on the floor and this ant was sort of on its hind legs and gesticulating. It was waving its legs and it was trying to get our attention. And I said to the Lord, what, what is this? I thought, this is ridiculous. You know, what is this? And he said, that's, that's the devil. That's the devil. You know, and uh, it might seem, <laughs> when I say it, quite unconventional. And you might think, oh dear, that sounds quite right. And that's what I thought. Oh, no, no, you know, devils, oh, devils, look at the horrible things the devil does. This is a really serious matter. He's not a little ant. But, of course, he is a little ant in comparison with our great God. And it's all about perspective, isn't it? If I'm down on the ground, kneeling down, then he's big. But if I'm sitting on God's throne, safe and secure in my father's arms, then he's a little ant. And it's, um, that, was, that was the picture that actually made me laugh the most, really. I thought that was wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Does anyone else have a testimony? Something they'd like to share? Were you blessed, those of you who came? 
please somebody shout yes. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I love springtime. I'm told that we have part of their testimony. <laughs> but as many of us know, the longer we walk with God, the more we have to tell of his goodness in dealing with us. So Peter and Jane, please come. Let's welcome you and bless you to speak forth the words that God has for us. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, we lift Jane and Peter to you. We thank you for them. We thank you for their story in you, and we look forward to learning from them at their experiences and benefiting ourselves. So will you come upon them afresh, empower them by your Holy Spirit, give them the words they need to speak to us that will bring life and joy to us as well as we hear. We give you thanks for them and seek your blessing upon them and upon us, that we won't be listeners only, but we'll be those who learn and are able to imitate and do the good things that they share with us. We give you thanks for them in Jesus' name. Amen. So slide number one, please, Maestro. <coughs> Shall I move to one side a bit? Never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay. Cornfield. Yeah, a very nice cornfield. still got the data stick if you want it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pete Hendra, H-E-N-D-R-A, an old Cornish name. And this is my lovely wife who's called Jane Hendra. Strangely enough, it's the same name. I don't know how that happened. Um, anyway, hello Lighthouse. Thank you ever so much for inviting us to speak to you tonight. It's a real uh, privilege. We've been coming... No, no, go back one. Previous slide, previous slide. Not ready for that one yet. Oh, there we go, right. Okay. Uh, we've been coming, I think the first time we came was when Roy Godwin was here, was here uh, last time. And uh, we've been coming ever since then. Hello, I haven't seen you for ages. How are you doing? Um, is it, it's Jackie, isn't it? Yeah, hi, Jackie. I think we met Jackie on the first time. That's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually forget everybody's name, so that's amazing. I remember that. Okay. Um, so, we've called it uh, God Super on Our Natural, and we've chosen the same theme. This is uh, the, month, the theme of the month. And um, I was going to start off by, well, I think I will start off by saying we serve an amazing God, an absolutely incredible God. You know, when God speaks, the universe comes into being. When God speaks, stars are ignited with nuclear fire. When God speaks, 
worlds are formed and come into being. That's the sort of God that we serve. And I was going to say, perhaps inspired by Jane's vision, that we serve this great big God and we're only tiny little people and that we serve an extraordinary God but we're only ordinary people. But actually she told me, no, you can't say that. That's not right, scripturally. And I would recommend anyone that hasn't got a wife to get one. Because <laughs> they put you on the right track, you know, they just keep you on the straight and narrow. So uh, when I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's true, you know. The lighthouse, you are not an ordinary people. You really aren't. I mean, look, we have, we have terrific, talented musicians who flow with the Holy Ghost in a wonderful way, don't we? And we have people dedicated to serve us. We have people that excellent administration. We have fabulous artists. You know, you are not an ordinary people at all. And it's... Um, a real privilege to become part of you and it's an even bigger privilege to come and talk to you and I think maybe I've got something that I can bless you with tonight. And just to show that I'm not buttering you up, um, uh, I, I want to read you this bit out of the Bible where God actually says, and this is the same God who when he speaks, the universe comes into being and the stars light up. The same God says this about you, okay, every one of you here that know him. But you, perhaps you'd like to just point to yourself when I say you, okay, but you, my mum said it was really rude to point at people, but I don't care, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. If you've got an authorised version, just so you don't get too big-headed, it says a peculiar people. <laughs> okay. You are a people belonging to God so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Peter and Jane Hendra are just such people. Isn't that amazing that we are called uh, people belonging to God? Isn't that incredible? Just like you, and we're all called, those of us that have met God, we're called that. Now, once we weren't, so part one of our story is how it was, how, how it came to be that once we weren't a part of the people of God, but now that we are. So, next slide, please. Maestro. Okay, here I am. Um, you will see that I was a child prodigy. At the age of three, I had my first car, and I was also a fully competent cowboy. <coughs> now, uh, my family weren't Christians, they didn't go to church, but my grandmother on my mum's side had been, or was a believer. Uh, she wasn't alive by this time. And there was just that residue in my family. And uh, my mum, bless her, she taught me and my three sisters to pray every night. And um, can you hold this for me? I'm just going to demonstrate. And uh, without a microphone, but every night I would, as this little boy of three years old, I would pray, God bless mummy and daddy and all those that I love. Okay, thank you. 
Did you like that? God bless. Uh, anyway, God was listening. Okay, this amazing God who created the universe was listening to this tiny little boy. And um, you'll hear how those prayers were answered. <coughs> um, I think the first time I went to church when I was four years old and my big sister uh, took me uh, to the church at the end of the road. And that's when I, after I came back from church, I gave my first prophetic utterance. As we were sitting down at the table with the Sunday roast lamb, um, I announced to, to my family, the Lord was in church today. So there was a bit of a stunned silence. <laughs> they all looked at one another and then, as they were wont to do, they started to interrogate me like a 20 questions. So somebody said, how could you tell? I saw him. What did he look like? He was an old man with grey hair. Okay. What was he wearing? He was uh, wearing a grey suit. Okay. What did he do? He read bits out of the Bible. So at this point, aha, said my mum. That wasn't the Lord, dear. That was the minister, Mr. Law. But you know... Uh, Mr. Law, okay, I thought you said the Lord. But, you know, I think I was right, wasn't I? Because Jesus said, whenever two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Now, if Jesus was here physically, in the, wouldn't that be great today, wouldn't it? But I think if he was, he'd probably be sitting just behind Jane, just next to Claire, in the midst of us. Okay, But he isn't there, because the Bible tells us that he's... Uh, gone to heaven, he's ascended and he's sitting at the right hand of God but there's something even better even better than that the physical presence of Jesus and that is the presence of the Holy Spirit and God is here right now through the Holy Spirit, right now he's here and um, maybe, maybe I just caught a little bit of that that first time that I went to church I didn't go very often after that, maybe two or three times, and I, I came back and asked my mum all these questions that she couldn't answer, and uh, bless her, she said, well, if you don't want to go, dear, you don't have to go. So I didn't go to Sunday school or whatever, and by the time I was 11, by the time I came to secondary school, I had decided that I was going to be an atheist, that there wasn't any God, because I didn't see any evidence in, I, I, and so, because I couldn't see any evidence, there wasn't a God, was there? I mean, that's the way I, I reasoned. <coughs> anyway, God had other plans for me. And there was uh, a chap at school um, who was always going on about God. And uh, he was in my class after year eight, and uh, it seemed like every break time and every lunch time he would be just telling people about God. And uh, I thought he was absolutely bonkers. I thought he was totally nuts. I thought he believed in, you know, like Father Christmas. Um, anyway, after about two and a half years of this, I, I challenged him. I said to him, look, how do you know that there's a God? Because from my point of view, it was obvious there wasn't one. How do you know that there is a God? And he then said something well, he said, because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I thought this was absolutely hilarious. 
And uh, you can imagine this, this boy in year nine, in his little green blazer and his tie, and um, I hooted with laughter, and I started to tell all my classmates, the Holy Spirit lives in Chris Warren. And I went around and told everyone. I just thought it was so ridiculous. Uh, and, um, but anyway, God didn't care, and Chris Warren didn't care either. Uh, he told me afterwards that he had got a list of the bo- names of all the boys in the class, which he'd taken home. He copied it from the register, and he would pray for us every night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's actually prayer. When, prayer. when people start to pray, that's when heaven starts to come down on earth. That's when the super part starts to come on our natural. And whenever he got to my name, he said that it seemed to light up on the page. So, praise God. God was at work and God had different ideas. So, undeterred by my reaction, he gave me a book about the Holy Spirit. He said, you might like to read this. It's called The Cross and the Switchblade. Who's read The Cross and the Switchblade? Yeah, great book, isn't it? Fantastic. Now, this was a bit of an eye-opener to me um, because it, there was a bit of evidence, perhaps, that God was at work. There was a God, and he did things. The miracles happened, and people got healed. And then there was this weird stuff about they began to talk, pray in other languages that they didn't know. I thought, well, that must be. There's something going on there, you know. How can you do that? Um, so I, I, I said to him, but it's a bit odd, isn't it? And he said, oh, there's another book you ought to read. It's called They Speak in Other Tongues. And uh, I, who read that one? Oh, well, I'm not so popular, but that's a good one, anyway. <laughs> but for anybody who doesn't know, <clears throat> there is a bit, in, well, there quite a lot of bits in the Bible, actually, uh, after the day of Pentecost, which is next week, and we're going we're gonna to have a Pentecost party, on that day, the Holy Spirit came and fell on the disciples. This was just after Jesus had died. And they, they just like the picture we saw earlier, there was like fire came down from heaven, and they began to talk in different languages that they didn't know. Um, and it was pretty hot stuff, really. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I read this book and um, uh, I hadn't prayed for many years but I then prayed the atheist's prayer all on my own which uh, was something like this God, I don't believe that you exist but if you are real then will you show yourself to me? And uh, that's okay. God doesn't mind if we pray things like that. He takes us as we are. Uh, anyway, Chris was still, still telling everybody about God, you know, and, and he said, oh yeah, in my church we all speak in tongues, all of us. <laughs> she said, would you like to come? So, yes, I did, and little did I know that that would be the turning point in my life, the time when things changed absolutely uh, radically. So I soon found myself sitting in a meeting in somebody's house, and there was about 15 people in the room. First thing I knew is that every single one of them came up and shook me by the hand and welcomed me, and I felt like an honoured guest. This is great. I was just a scruffy teenager. You know, in my, well, I still wear jeans, don't I? But a uh, scruffy teenager, but they welcomed me in, uh, which was good, I was impressed. But then when they began to worship, that was what really did it for me, because 
suddenly my little starved spirit felt the presence of God. And I didn't know it then, but God inhabits the praises of his people. And my, my, my mind was still buzzing, you know, but my spirit felt the presence of God. I couldn't deny it. This God that I thought didn't exist, he was actually there. Anyway, because a long story short, there was a gospel message and they explained, in the message it was explained how, what you needed to do to become a Christian, how you needed to be forgiven, uh, and, and how you did that, you see. So afterwards they said, anyone like to become a Christian looking at me? <laughs> but there were two others of us there as well, who Chris and his mates had dragged along, and all of us said, yep, we'll have a bit of that. So they prayed for us, and explained how to do it and we prayed the prayer and invited Jesus I said to Jesus come on okay, I, I, I give up Lord I believe that you exist and I would like you because you exist and because you are so mighty and you're in charge of things I would like you to be in charge of me and that, that was roughly it anyway I sort of prayed along those lines anyway that's, that's good that's it and then they said right now we want to pray for you to be baptised in the Holy Spirit this is the fire bits, you know, and the speaking in tongues. So, I'd read all about it. I thought, yeah, okay, let's, we'll, we'll have some of that too, please. So I said yes, and they prayed for me, and uh, that was good as well. And uh, I just felt this presence was still there, presence of God, and I started to speak in this different language that I didn't know. It happened to me, you know, it wasn't just in the book anymore, it happened to me. And I did a, a sentence, and then I did another sentence, and then my rational scepticism took over, and my teenaged embarrassment took over, and I stopped. Uh, and that was okay, you know, that's fine. God didn't mind about that. And <coughs> I went outside and had a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the, 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 um, the next night, as I lay there in bed, um, in the dark, I thought, I wonder if I could do that again. And, um, and when I tried, I again felt the presence of God there, and this lovely flowing language came out of my mouth. And uh, I looked up, and, okay, it was dark, but on, I don't know how this happened, but anyway, on the ceiling, there was like a big oak beam above me, and on that oak beam, it, a big water drop seemed to form, a great, really great, huge water drop, and then this drop grew larger, and then it fell onto me, and I was immediately enveloped with this amazing knowledge of God's love for me the presence of God and um, I don't quite understand it theologically but you could say I was baptised in the Spirit at that moment, I don't know and anyway so I carried on speaking it and I was just feeling God's presence and uh, so that was quite a big day for me that was, you know I started off as an atheist and by the end of the day I'd found out that God loved me God the Father loved me. I'd uh, said to Jesus, God the Son, please will you be in charge of my life? And I had 
been filled with the Holy Spirit. That was, not, that was quite a good day, wasn't it? That was a great day. <laughs> Start off as an atheist, and by the end of the day, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost got the lot. Praise God. But, you know, today is just a day like that. And maybe there's some people here who've been, who are in that same position. Maybe you, you're not sure if it, even if there is a God. But maybe you've felt something here tonight. Maybe you've felt the presence of God. Um, maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost or speaking in tongues. Any of those things. I just want to say, today is a good day. Today is a God day. This is the day that God has made. So maybe, if it's the day for you, there might be, will there be an opportunity later for people, if that's you, don't let it go by. You know, if you think, wow, that could be for me, then here's a chance tonight. So, So I would encourage you not to leave tonight without asking somebody. And it may even be the day when God meets you. Uh, best day of my life Okay, <clears throat> before I hand over to Jane I just want to tell you a couple of other three quite good things sort of, you know, God is always good isn't he but quite good things have happened um, to me um, first of all I became part of the God Squad at school and uh, they've been growing in number I was about number seven so it's good number seven perfect number and I became a bit like, I wasn't quite as good at it as my friend, Chris, but I became a bit like him and started telling other people about this amazing God and what he'd done for me. And um, Over the next four or five years, by the time I left school in the upper sixth form, we had a quick count-up of what... We did all sorts of things. You know, we had fact and faith films. Anyone who's seen a fact and faith film? You have to be over a certain age. To be. Uh, we did all sorts of things. And over those years, God began to touch lots and lots of my contemporaries. And it was interesting. It was like a special, special year. I'm a special vintage, you know. Uh, it was a special year and out of 120 we counted up the 120 boys in my year by the end of it 90 of those had met with God fabulous yeah it's good isn't it God is good Uh, yeah good and uh, the year below us in school there was maybe about 30 and the year after us is that right? Well, either side of us, it was about 30. So it was like a very special year. And there's a number of people in that year who have, have really gone and done amazing things for God. So that was a, that was a, that's my number one good thing. Uh, my number two good thing was that I learnt how to pray. And I went to a prayer meeting where we would, they explained what you had to do and how you, how you, one of the things you can do is you can ask God for things that you want or you think good things, you know. So we did this, and, um, and I, my, my friend who lived around the corner, another Chris, another member of the God Squad, I went and prayed with him in his house. And this time we prayed the God bless my men and daddy and all those I love prayer, but maybe this time as teenagers, a bit older, a bit, you know, knew a bit more, not much, but we knew a bit more. Um, and God began to answer those prayers. My mum was very worried about me. She thought I would got in with a real weird lot. So she asked my aunt 
to come and suss them out because my aunt had been a United Reformed Church minister. She was one of the first ladies, maybe even the first or second, to be one. So my mum sent her along to meet these people and my aunt was absolutely knocked out by it. She said, wow, this is what I've been wanting all my life. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> she was filled with the Holy Ghost as well. So, and that was the beginning. And then not long after that, my mum, her sister, my mum, also uh, became a Christian. So that was good. That was perhaps the influence of my Christian grandmother. You know, God blessing down the generations. Uh, and they sort of began to spread out a bit. And my three sisters became Christians. Um, I haven't got any brothers. If I had any, I expect they would have become Christians as well. And it just went on like that. And, um, and, and my dad, he, lo- he held out quite a long time, but my dad. Um, and then later on, my sister's husbands and their children and my children and all that. And is it good, you know? But God was listening to that prayer of that little boy, him, when he said, God bless mummy and daddy and all those I love. Yeah, my mum, she didn't realise what she'd unleashed on the family when she taught me and her, my sisters how to pray that. So, um, uh, oh yes, and then the third good thing, just little, moving on slightly, I was at university and I was at Imperial College which uh, deals with technology and science. Um, in those days there wasn't a medical college associated with it. And so the ratio of men to women was about 19 to 1. <coughs> so this meant that it wasn't just the hot girls that were taken, it was all of them, you know, there weren't any left over. And as a young man, I, I thought, well, this isn't quite right, you know. And as a scientist, I can remember praying to God, look, I really would like a girlfriend. Uh, even electrons go round in pairs. Have you got somebody who... <laughs> Have you got somebody for me? So, anyway, be careful what you pray for. <laughs> um, because something else is happening on the other side of uh, England at uh, this particular time. But anyway, the, the result of that prayer was that I met my lovely wife, Jane. So, two slides forward, please, Maestro. One, two. There we are, and here she is. As you can see, I'm not quite so advanced and technological as my husband. You know, he's going somewhere, isn't he, in his car, and I'm on the beach with my bucket, so having a good time. Um, well, I'm just, I'm just going to start with a verse from Titus 3, and I want to read to you verses 4 to 6 of Titus 3, and these are some of my favourite verses. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, 
we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. On oh, those wonderful verses. And I want to tell you about God's kindness to me. Um, because I started off, grew up in a non-Christian family. I had uh, a very loving family. They were very, very good to me. I had very good mum and dad. I have a younger brother. We were very happy. So no problems at home. But we didn't go to church. My mum had some vague beliefs. Uh, some people in her family had been Methodists, and so she sometimes went to the Methodist church. Um, rather like Pete's mum, she sent me to Sunday school for a few Sundays, and I came home and said, I don't think it's very real. I don't, I don't like going, mum. I don't want to go anymore. So she said, oh, well, all right, then you don't need to go. Um, so there was no Christian input really at home at all. But by the time I reached my teenage years and I was in secondary school, I made a very good friend who is still, I would count, one of my two ultra-best friends. And we met in the first year when we were 11 at secondary school. And my friend said to me, why don't we go to confirmation classes? <laughs> now, I didn't go to the Anglican church, so at first I didn't know what she was talking about. And I said, well, what? Wh What's the point of doing that? And she said, well, I go to the Anglican church sometimes. She lived in a sort of a, in a slightly different village to me. She said, we, can, we could go. Come on, let's just go to confirmation classes. So these two teenage girls toddled along to confirmation classes at an Anglican church that we didn't ever attend. And um, I think the vicar was very patient with us because I seem to remember that actually we giggled through every single class. We were sometimes, I mean, I look back on it and wonder, you know, why this happened. We were sometimes hysterical on the back row. And he, yes, it probably was the Holy Ghost. Yes, this does happen to me sometimes. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so we carried on and we got to the, the day of being confirmed. And my parents went along with this. I think my father thought I was a bit mad, really. My father's a very strong atheist. He's a very good man, but he does not have any beliefs at all, other than his atheism. And uh, he, so he, but he allowed me to carry on with it. And uh, I remember on the day that I was to be confirmed, I went up to my room and I prayed. I didn't know really how to pray, but I said to God, Lord, could you just reveal yourself to me. Could this be something real? Could something real happen today so that somehow or other I know you? I didn't know how to be a Christian. Sadly, they hadn't taught me how to be a Christian in confirmation classes. In this particular church, I know you can't you know, judge all churches like that, but this particular one. So we were confirmed, and then we went very sporadically to the Anglican church, but in the meantime, a few months later, my friend was invited by other friends to go to a Billy Graham crusade. So off she toddled to the Billy Graham crusade, and then the next day, couldn't stop talking about it. How amazing it was, because she had actually given her heart to the Lord. She had become a Christian at the Billy Graham crusade meeting. I was really fascinated by what she was telling me, but I was very sceptical too. So I was attracted to it, and I was a little bit cautious. And I think we're often like that, aren't we, about the Lord? You know, we're attracted, but we're a little bit cautious. We don't want to take too many risks. 
And so I let her get really excited and tell me all about it. And I said, hmm, yeah, well, that's, hmm, you know, quite interesting. But, you know, God was on my case. And this is why I want to point out that actually when this has been very good for me, looking back and thinking about this testimony, because I can see, it reminds me again how God actually uses details in our lives because he's got a purpose and a plan. And he's doing things, and he's really busy, but we don't know at the time, do we? We don't realize that's what he's doing. And he was really on my case, because one of the teachers at my school had twigged that, probably from talking to my friend, I don't know, that I was sort of vaguely interested in Christianity. And this teacher... Uh, was a Christian and he ran a Christian youth group in a church and so seeing that I was really interested he took the opportunity to chat to me one break time and he lent me a book guess what book he lent me the cross and the switchblade yes (laughs) yeah Uh, so yeah excellent book so I went home with the cross and switchblade and um, I love to read anyway it was a real bookworm and I went up to my room. I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just read the first chapter. So I opened the book, read the first chapter. I thought, oh, this is amazing. And then I read the second chapter and then the third chapter. And, and I just literally just sat in my room and read the book because I was so bowled over by the fact that God is real and God intervenes in people's lives. And when they pray, he does something. And God is actually interested in individual people. And I was so, I can remember being so excited about it. So I read the book, gave it back to the teacher and said, that was, that was fantastic, amazing. So he said, well, come along to the youth group. So he persuaded me to come along, started to go to the youth group. And then a short time later, the youth group went to a conference at a place called Ashburnham in Sussex. And at that conference, um, there was an evangelist speaking, a very, very clear presentation of what it means to be a Christian. And I gave my heart to the Lord. I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. And, you know, I can see myself now in my mind. I was sitting in the room, and I know that point at which I, I said that to the Lord. And that was absolutely amazing. That was a great turning point obviously in my life because my life been going in one direction and then it turned into a completely different direction um, where my story differs from Pete is that when I shared my faith with my family lovely though they are they didn't want to know um, so we can't always determine what will happen can we you know we have to accept that some people when we tell them about God and how wonderful he is and what he's done for us, they will want to know. But some people won't want to know. However much we love them, we can't make them any different. We can't change their response other than to keep praying for them. And it is a great sadness to me that even today, my family are not Christians. They are, I love to be with them. And as Pete says, not yet. (laughs) We're still trying and we're still praying, aren't we? Yes. So that's how I became a Christian. Um, then, having become a Christian, I, I went on to went to youth group, um, and then had lots and lots of Christian friends, which was really good. And eventually, I went to university. 
I'm attached to Bristol University, whereas Pete is a scientist. I'm, I'm not a scientist, and I went and I studied English. Um, and while I was there, my parents moved house. So we had been living in Haywards Heath in Sussex, and we mo they moved down to the coast, down to, so they were quite between Worthing and Littlehampton in Sussex. So because they moved while I was actually at university, I didn't know anybody where they were in their new house. So when I went home in the holidays, I actually knew nobody at all, and I didn't know of any churches down there. I didn't know where to go to church. I had a church at university that I went to, but I didn't know quite you know, what, what should, where should I go? And I tried different churches and I wasn't very sure about it. But this brings me on to my next point, which is that God actually has really good plans for us. And that often includes the person that we will marry. <laughs> and uh, despite what I was thinking, God was planning and sorting everything out for me. And I was feeling a bit lonely and, oh, you know, why am I here in the holidays? And when I went back to university in my second term and um, I was standing in a Christian Union meeting and at my university it was a very big Christian Union so it was a big room full of lots and lots of people we were all standing there in groups having a chat after the meeting and I heard <coughs> somebody behind me another student say to her friends oh I've just come back from Worthing in Sussex and I had a great time at so and so's church there wherever it was and um, I thought Worthing that's near where my parents live, right? So I homed in on this girl and found out from her the telephone number of the pastor of the church. And when I next was home on holiday, I phoned this pastor up and was um, invited to the church, got to know them all. And who should I meet the next holidays but, ta-da, my husband. <laughs> but I wouldn't actually, I don't think, have known about that church because they were a house church they didn't advertise they didn't have this was the early years really of the house church movement and they didn't advertise they didn't have a big building of their own they met in someone's home um, they were a very vibrant church but again um, I didn't have any contacts this was the only contact I had was hearing overhearing that conversation behind me at the Christian Union meeting um, which is so God is good isn't he God is so kind, that's what I think, and you know, he's so kind to me. Right, I know what Jane needs. Oh, she needs Pete. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's really good. I'm so grateful to the Lord for the way he has organized and planned out my life, if you like, and looked after me. And I just want to tell you one more story from that time of my life, and I know the, the clock is ticking, but just one more story, and it's about um, hearing God's word, because uh, I was quite still quite young, especially with, you know, as a Christian, especially with regard to the Holy Spirit and moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And actually, lots of people in that era, we, you know, we were really learning together because it's as if the church was being revived, I think. And um, this is a long time ago, because I'm quite elderly. And uh, I was learning about hearing God's voice and finding, gradually learning to Oh, yeah, you know, God said that. And he was speaking to me through the Bible, specific verses, particularly. But one day, when I was <coughs> already engaged to Pete, so it would have been my last year at university, we were engaged. And uh, a very good friend of mine 
he was the president of the Christian Union and I worked with him as the lady vice president so we were really good friends he came to me one night and said Jane will you pray with me he was really really distressed because he had asked uh, another friend of mine who was one of my other best friends if she would go out with him because he, he had fallen, really fallen, head over heels in love with her, and he asked her if he should go out with him. And what had she said? No, no way, no way. You're just my friend. You know, I, I only want to be friends. Never ask me again. I do not want to go out with you. And he was absolutely devastated. So he came to me to ask me, you know, can you just pray for me, Jane? So I thought, okay, right. So uh, we sat there and... Um, closed my eyes and I thought you know God, I'm going to pray for him something's like um, you know God will comfort him and he'll feel a bit better and then he'll go away because I'll have prayed a prayer that comforts him you know and everything will be all right you know poor Andy never mind it'll be okay and eventually he'll probably meet somebody else and it'll be fine and I was thinking all these thoughts are going through my head and as they're going through my head suddenly there was a picture that came into my mind of a piece of cake on a plate so <laughs> I thought, what? piece of cake on a plate? So I asked the Lord, um, I, I don't know what to do with this Lord, I've got this picture. I don't normally have pictures, but now I've got this picture. And uh, I, I really felt the Lord say, you need to tell him that I am not offering him a piece of cake just to take it away again. I don't do that to my children. I'm offering him a piece of cake that he will have. Mmm. I can't say that. So, not yet. That's what I'd like you to say. I'm offering him a piece of cake that he will have. So I, I told him what the vision was, and he was so pleased. Yes. And he, he left the room. You know, left left the house where we lived with my friends, and off he went, rejoicing, and left me thinking, Oh no! What have I done? Oh my goodness! You know, it went, it went against everything I thought was right. You know, you, you never mislead people. Be really careful. Be very cautious. Only speak the absolute truth. You've got to know it's the absolute. So careful. So off he went, rejoicing. <laughs> but the ending of that story is that two years later, Peter and I went to see them married in a church in Bristol. So... There you go. So that's the end of that story. <laughs> okay. All right. Lovely. You're going to finish oh. there. Sorry. Oh, thank you very much. Wow, that was tremendous, wasn't it? Bless the hearts. Now maybe you have never invited Jesus into your life. Tonight is your opportunity. If you would like to invite Jesus into your life, the ministry team are only too happy to pray with you. You know, it's a real privilege to pray with people. It is. It's a real honor and a privilege. So if you've never invited Jesus into your life, tonight is your opportunity. Or maybe you've never actually got baptized in the Holy 